This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Happy Easter. Uh, do you know the formal, Christ, uh, the formal Christian greeting? He has risen. Oh, let's practice it one more time. He has risen. There you go. Now, we're going to talk about what that means in our lives in a very practical way. I am uh, very excited that Easter is here. I'm very excited actually more that we are here. Because it's when we meet with God that Easter finds its real meaning. And I'm glad that uh, you have uh, gotten up early, gotten out of bed. If you were here last week, you heard Kevin talking about getting off your keister and getting here on Easter. So congratulations, you have done both. And this is going to be a great morning. Uh, On the inside of your program, uh, pull out the long skinny card that's in there. On the one side it says connect and on the other side it says start here. We're going to do the start here side, but I want to explain that to you for just a minute, especially those of you who are brand new. At New Life, we never come and just go through a church service. Never happens because that's boring to God and it's boring to us. Okay, well, I figured neither one of those is any good. So when we come, we come to worship, we come to learn, and we come to connect with God. And that means that our job as a church is to help you connect with God. And in order for us to help you connect with God, we have to be able to connect with you. And so this is the tool that we use to do that. So on the, on the part that says start here at the very bottom, you'll see a place where you can put your name and so forth. So let's all put our name in there and as much information as you're comfortable giving to us. Those of you who come here every Sunday already know how to do all that stuff. But for those of you who are brand new, let me say a couple of things to you. We will not misuse the information you give to us. We won't send you spam and a bunch of stuff you don't want. We won't share your email address or any of your information with anybody else. So you're not going to get a bunch of junk you don't want from anybody else. But we do want to pray with you. If you look on the backside, there's a place for you to write in prayer requests. There's a place for you to request information to get involved in what's going on in the life and the ministry of the church. And in order for us to be able to help you with that, We at least have to have some basic information. So if you put your name and at least your email address on the front, uh, then a little while later, we're going to lead you through how to do the section on applying the teaching of today. And then you can turn that in at the very end when we pass the baskets for the offering. Uh, You can put those cards in there at the same time. Now, this morning we start a brand new series And it's on baggage. As you can tell, we have some samples up here. We're going to be talking about those in just a few minutes. Um, Because we all collect baggage in life. And right away you're saying, but pastor, I, I thought this was Easter. What does Easter have to do with baggage? Well, more than you might think up front. See, most people get, at least to some degree, the concept that if God raised Jesus from the dead, which is what Easter is all about, then it, it's a pretty good predictor that God also has the power to raise us from the dead after we die. 
And most people get that part of Easter. And, and if that's all there was to Easter, well, that'd be good. But there's a real problem with that theology. It's no good till you die. I'd like to have some theology I could live with that would actually change my life here. And, and the good news that I have for all of us today is that many of us are going to have a life change in the next few weeks. And it will begin this morning. That's why I'm really excited that we are here together. Because this is not just an exercise in reviewing what Easter is about. For many of us, this will be a life-changing day for us. We will look back and we will say, you know, when I went to church, when I went to that New Life Church on Easter of 2012, something took place in my life and it changed me forever. Let me point you to a passage of Scripture that shows you how the resurrection of Jesus intersects with your everyday life. Take a look at the video screens. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that did what? That raised Christ from the dead. You know what that is? That's resurrection power. That's Easter power. And it's alive in our lives right now. Now he goes on to say, And it raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now I want you to circle a couple of phrases in there. First of all, let's circle the phrase that says, Same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I know that's a long phrase. Let's see if you can figure out how to circle that. And then draw a line from the circle out into the margin somewhere. And I want you to write the words, God's part. Because in this life, it's a partnership between God and us. And that's the part that God supplies. He's going to supply in your life and in mine the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. You can't get that at a gasoline station, right? You can't get that anywhere except from God. Now, put a circle around us who believe in Him. And then draw a line out to the margin somewhere and put my part. See, God's not going to put the mighty power of Christ, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, in just everybody's life. He's going to put it in the lives of those who choose to believe in Him. And that's what activates or releases the power of God in our lives. Now, today we're going to talk about baggage A week from today, we're going to talk about addiction. Okay? I promise you there will be some surprises in that message. Okay? So don't go away from here thinking, oh yeah, I've got a friend or two who really needs that one. Okay? Come with your umbrella so you can just put that off on everybody else. You need to come with your your basket because God's going to speak into all of our lives about that. The following week, we're going to talk about emotional baggage and how we can take the power of Christ and we can apply it to our emotional baggage. And then the final week of this series, we're going to talk about depression. And the Bible speaks clearly into all four of these subjects. And I'm really excited to be able to share that with us. However, before we get into that, I want to take you to what is going to be the key or central verse for this entire series. Take a look. Here it is. In John, John chapter 8, Jesus said this, 
If the Son sets you free, you will, you are truly free. Okay? Circle the words truly free and circle the word son and draw a line that connects those two. Because I want to tell you right up front, what Jesus is saying here is that there is a freedom that comes from being in him that you can't get anywhere else. You could go to your therapist and your therapist could do you good, but your therapist cannot set you free like Jesus can set you free. You can go to your family and get advice from your family, and your family can be a big help to you, but they cannot set you free like Jesus can set you free. Listen carefully. You can go to your pastor, and your pastor can share whatever I've learned in years of ministry, but I cannot set you free like Jesus can set you free. Are you on board with that? And so whether we're talking today about baggage that we all get, or we're talking about depression, or we're talking about addiction or emotional baggage, I want you to know right up front that there's a freedom that God offers you today, and it's what makes Easter everything that Easter is, because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to go to work to cutting free the baggage that you and I tend to carry in this life, no matter what label it might have. Before we get into how that's going to happen, let me talk to you about baggage. You know, when you and I are born, we got no baggage. None. We don't even have clothes, right? We're laying there stark naked, and we don't care what anybody thinks. We don't care what anybody's opinion is. We haven't lived long enough for anybody to say anything bad about us. Right? No one's put us down. Everybody thinks we're great. Life is wonderful. We have no bags. None. But somewhere along in life, we get our first ding. I can, I can remember the first ding that I was ever conscious of. We were in uh, the home of somebody I don't know and can't remember who it is. But we were guests in somebody's home and they had a cute little dog. I was two. And I looked at that cute little dog. We had no dogs at our house. I looked at that cute little dog, and I'm thinking, that looks like a living stuffed animal. I know what you do with stuffed animals. You squeeze them, and you kiss them, right? So I reached down, I closed my eyes, I put my chubby little two-year-old arms around that dog. I squeezed him, and I planted a nice two-year-old kiss right smack on his snout. And he promptly bit my nose. Good. Man, that was a shock to me. It was my first ding in life. I'm 60 and I still remember that. Okay? 58 years, I reached down and I picked up my first bag. My first bag was fear for the first time in my life. I realized you can't trust everything. You can't trust even everything that looks good. That dog looked cute to me. What danger could there be in that dog? For the first time, I wasn't just afraid of dogs. I began to question everybody and everything because I was introduced to fear. Move along in life, we go to kindergarten. Now, most parents realize that kindergarten is a life-changing moment, but most of us don't realize it's a life-changing moment like this. Psychologists tell us 
that by kindergarten age, virtually every child has figured out that those who are wealthy, and at that age it means have the most toys, those who are smart, those who are beautiful, and those who are talented are the favored ones in life. And what's more is by five years of age, we've been able to identify who fits in those categories. Friends, that's a heavy bag for a five-year-old to carry. For the first time in our life, we start to look at ourselves and we wonder, how do I stack up? And for the first time in our life, we pick up another bag, and that's the bag of doubt. And we begin to doubt ourselves Now, you know, we're going through life and we're still working, but, you know, there's some things that we're supposed to be able to do that are a whole lot tougher when you carry bags. Have you noticed? You're not quite as agile. and There's a lot of things that you'd like to do, but, you know, fear creeps in and doubt creeps in. And it's not too long until we encounter another bag that just tends to jump up on our back and the next thing you know, we carry it. Why? Because, you know, when you're five years old and you try out for the soccer team, you always make it. It's impossible to fail. But somewhere along the line, the rules change. And whether it's a soccer team that we don't make, or a test that we don't pass, or if we get along a little further, a whole course that we don't pass, the next thing you know, we have to deal with failure. And we reach down and we pick up another bag And life's getting a little tougher because I've got some fear over here. I've got some doubt, and I've got some failure. But I don't know that the really big bag is still waiting for me. Enter the teen years, and puppy love. And I think, oh my goodness, life can't get any better than this. Because I'm now a teenager, and I have a girlfriend Someone who thinks I'm cool. Someone who can't wait to see me at school. Someone who wants to sit beside me. You know, it's great when you make the transition from hitting your girlfriend, you know, in the fifth grade, to to actually liking to sit beside her when you get to be a teen, right? And you think life can't get any better than this until she becomes your (laughs) ex-girlfriend. And now you carry rejection. Do you remember the first time you were rejected? That hurts, huh? Yeah. I want you to think about this for a minute. We've only taken the big ones. And we're not even out of high school yet. And we have fear. And we have doubt. We have failure. And we have rejection. And then we're going to go off to college. We're going to try to face the rest of life. And you know, when you stop and think about it, the bags, they just keep coming. Have you noticed? They do. But the great thing about Christ is he has a message for this. And this is going to be fun for us to see. And what we're going to talk about is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. And I can tell you that it works for every single person. Because as we collect baggage in life, I want you to dream with me for just a minute. What would the world be like? What would your life feel like even right now this morning? 
if you could be baggage free. I want you to think about how it would change your marriage if both you and your spouse could literally be baggage free. You're not carrying stuff out of your background. You're not carrying stuff that people have said about you. You're not carrying all that stuff. And you're not evaluating everything that everybody says or does in light of those bags that you're carrying. Think about this. Think about how those of you who have children at home, think about how it would change your little children's lives if you didn't take your bags and put them on them. Think about our community. Can you imagine a community where everyone in it had no bags? Would you want to live there? It'd be like Disneyland for real. <laughs> right? Yeah. It would be awesome. Well, the good news is that Christ can do that for any of us, and He wants to do that for all of us. And the truth is that it's available to us if we're willing to pray three transformational prayers. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Three prayers that will change your life and change my life and that will allow us to go through life baggage-free. Because the key question is this, how will I respond when baggage comes into my life? You've heard the old statement, um, the only two sure things in life are what? Death and add one more, baggage. Because it's, it comes. I found this in my life. I don't have to go looking for bags. They find me. I don't even have to consciously reach down and pick them up. I don't know. Somehow they get on my back. Maybe I should just have backpacks up here, right? Yeah, that's, how, that's how bags work. So let's take a look at these three transformational prayers because they really, they have the, they unlock the power of the resurrection in our lives. Prayer number one is this. Father, change the way I think with the truth. Let's read that out loud, can we? Let's read, ready? Father, change the way I think with the truth. You know, the same Jesus who said, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free, also said this, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me read you another passage. The Bible says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform. That's the word we've been talking about, that life-changing, transformational prayer. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Wow. That's such a great passage. Let's circle some things in there and and understand what it means. First of all, let's circle behavior and customs of this world. And then out on the margin somewhere, draw a line out to the margin, and and out on the margin write baggage. Because if you and I follow the behavior and customs of this world, we will end up with the same bags that everybody else has, um, and and that's just how, how the world rolls. Then circle the word, the words new person. 
and then draw a line out to the margin and write baggage free. Because that's what a new person is. They've cut loose all those bags. And, and the passage actually tells us, how is God going to do this? He's going to do this by changing the way we think. And friends, the way we think has to do with the truth. There's a real simple formula here. Okay? And it is this. Truth leads to freedom. Everything else leads where? Baggage of some form. I'll tell you two stories out of my own life. The first was when I was quite young, and it was one of the first times that I learned this principle that the truth is no respecter of persons. It's just true. By the way, works on the positive side, works on the negative side. I'm five years of age. I'm at my grandparents' house in rural Iowa. My grandparents were farmers. And every farmer back in those days had a junk pile because there was no garbage dump and there was no garbage service. So you fed your live garbage to the pigs and the stuff like cans and bottles and all that stuff, you just had a junk pile out in the back, probably in a gully somewhere, and you threw it all in the gully and you knew nothing about living green, that's for sure. (laughs) So I'm out doing what every five-year-old kid does. I'm looking through the junk pile, right? And, and I look down, and on the ground, there's an old, rusty razor blade. Now, I'm a thinker, and I'm wondering, is an old, rusty razor blade actually sharp? Again, I'm a thinker, and I'm thinking, probably not, because why has it been thrown out? Because it's too dull to cut. Right? That's the only reason you would throw a razor blade out. I was smart enough to know that. And then I'm thinking, would rust make something sharper or duller? Duller. So I'm looking at a used razor blade. It was dull to begin with. And it's been in this junk pile. And it's now all rusty. And so I reason, and rightfully so, that old rusty razor blades cannot be sharp. I reach down. I pick it up. And I test it in the only way a five-year-old knows. Old rusty razor blades are still sharp. It didn't make any difference. The truth that I chose to believe that looked logical to me, I had two very good reasons to believe it was dull. But what was the truth? It was still sharp. Yeah. I want you to hear this lesson. Because to whatever degree you and I believe something to be true that is not true, we will experience pain in our lives. Does that make sense to you? You've got to know that. The second story out of my life. This bag right here. This is my bag. I didn't pick it up a while ago because I was going to pick it up now. In fact, if you look on the top of this bag, right there, those are my initials, actually. Because what's in here is my baggage. And I had been noticing in my own life that there was something going on in my heart that I couldn't explain, and I knew it wasn't healthy. I just didn't know what it was. And that's the amazing thing about bags. Sometimes you know you're carrying one, but you can't figure out what it is. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. 
But I noticed that whatever, there was, whatever this was in my life, it was causing me and driving me to work harder and harder and harder and longer and longer and longer hours with less and less joy and satisfaction. My wife noticed it. The staff noticed it. My closest friends noticed it. And I couldn't figure it out. That's kind of sad to be a pastor preaching the greatest news anyone could ever give and telling people about the amazing power of God that's available to them and be sad and dissatisfied all at the same time. Do you see a disconnect there? Yeah, I had one of those. So three weeks ago, I called a timeout in life. And I went to wrestle it through with God. Because frankly, the bag had gotten so big, I just couldn't carry it anymore. So I got alone with God. And as I was leaving, my daughter said to me, Dad, I think it has something to do with you not understanding a concept in the Bible. Because she said, I know you pretty well. And I know that you don't hang on to anything like this unless you think it's straight from God. And she said, I, I think God's going to challenge something in your theology. So I headed off to wrestle it through with God. And that night, God woke me up with a passage that I'm going to read to you because it changed my life. It was that moment when God took the light of his truth and he changed the way I thought. Okay? It's in Romans chapter 8. God said, I want you to go to this passage and I'll meet you here. Here it is. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, which means Daddy, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. You know what I came to understand? I'm 60. I've been a pastor for 42 years. I had always considered myself God's servant. I'd never seen myself as God's son. It was a heavy bag. Frankly, I got awkward. I started crying. I didn't know what to do. It was like, oh my goodness. This changes how I look at myself. It changes how I read his word. Frankly, it changes how I view Easter. It's life-changing for me. My wife said to me Friday night, I got a Friday morning and I read through a book about Jesus' life. I was so ready to come to Good Friday service. I was ready at 8.30 in the morning to come to Good Friday service on Friday night. Why? Because God released a bag in my life three weeks ago that I had been carrying for years and didn't know it. Yeah. My wife says to me on the way home, says, do you realize you're like a brand new Christian? I said, yep. <laughs> yeah. So the stuff that I'm talking to you about this morning, it's not just theory. It's not just theology. You know, 
It's stuff that I got to live out and get to live out daily. And it's stuff that I've seen work in people's lives for years now. And, and when God gives those wonderful breakthroughs, they're life-changing. And it starts with saying, God, would you transform, would you change the way I think with the truth? Because the truth is, I haven't been saved just to be God's slave. I've been saved to be God's son. And there's a world of difference between being a slave and being a son in the family business. Right? Yeah. Prayer number two. The other two will go a little quicker. Okay? Prayer number two is this. Father, restore to me what is lost. Let's read that out loud. Ready? Father, restore to me what is lost. Because even when I realize that God will shine the truth of His Word into my life and I can begin to cut away the bags, my my heart wants to say, but what about all the damage that's already been done? What about all the time that's been lost? You may have seen this video footage on the news. Uh, The city of Orlando uh, has a, an NBA team, the Orlando Magic, and they have a brand new arena. So it brought up the question, what do we do with the old one? Take a look at what they decided to do with the old one. Apparently, we're having more technical difficulties than they had. We'll give it about 10 more seconds, and then I'll tell you the story if it doesn't show up. All right. We'll let them work on video number two while while I tell you about video number one. The city of Orlando hired an imploding firm who came in and they put 250 pounds of dynamite carefully placed at different places in that arena and they discharged them in the right sequence and the entire arena imploded. It fell in on itself. And as you might guess, when they were done, the only thing left was a pile of rubble. As I watched that footage, I'm a sports fan, and so it made the ESPN. And as I was watching that footage, I looked at it, and I, and I thought, hmm. I knew I was preaching this message, and I'm thinking, boy, does that look like our lives when we try to handle our own bags? Man, we can make a mess. And it's a big mess. But did you know, just like the truth is no respecter of persons, neither is baggage. Take a look at what King David, the most beloved king of Israel, said one day as he looked at his own life. He said here in Psalm 71, You have allowed me to suffer much hardship. You know, as he looked around, he said, My life hurts. i got bags. This place is a mess. But notice, that's not where it ends. He says, But you will restore to me life again. And not just life again. You will lift me up from the depths of the earth. And it gets even better than that. You will restore to me even greater 
honor. Would you circle even greater honor? Because God doesn't want to just make us new. He wants to make us better than new. Even greater honor. And comfort me once again. And so God invites us to pray the prayer, Father, restore to me what is lost. And He has the most amazing ways of doing that. Now I want you to picture with me. I know we didn't get to see the video. All right. Do we have video number two ready to roll? We have no video number two. All right. So now that I've asked you to use your imagination, let's use your imagination again. Suppose you go to this this company that has just imploded the Amway Sports Arena and it's now one big pile of, of mess and you say, oops. We don't like how this turned out. Could you put this back together again? You know, when you were a little kid in kindergarten, you learned a little nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Oh, sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. How does it end? All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Ever felt like Humpty? I want you to know that God has the power to take the rubble of your life and to do what all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot do. He can put it back together again. And as David said, it will have what? Would you circle? Even greater honor. So there you go. We're done. No, we're not quite done. Because we have one more prayer, and I'll tell you why we have one more prayer. Because if you pray only the first two prayers, you cut off the bags, but they keep climbing back on. We're interested in cutting them away for good, okay? And so the last prayer is this, Father, help me release my offender. Because quite frankly, many of us carry bags that we didn't choose, okay? I had a little, I had to take part of the blame for squeezing that dog and getting my nose bit. I didn't realize that every dog that gets squeezed probably too hard by a two-year-old who has his face right in the dog's face, that the dog might not take too kindly to that, all right? But you know, there are some of us that at an early age, we didn't ask to be born in a home where our parents would abuse us. We didn't ask to be sexually abused. We didn't go to the playground and say, would the biggest bully please come and pick on me? No, it just happened. All of us have bags in our life that we didn't choose. And actually, we didn't have any part or any blame in actually getting the bag. It's just there because it was put on us by someone else. Now, friends, one of the great messages of the cross is that the one who hung on the cross actually never did anything wrong. If there's anyone who ever should have lived baggage-free, it was Jesus, right? And yet the Bible says that God took all of our sins and put them on Jesus. You want to compare your bags with his now? Every sin that's ever been committed, and they're now on Jesus' account. Frankly, I never considered the fact that Jesus could have been bitter at you and me. 
I grew up hearing the message of Christ's love, and I never thought about the fact that if I had to die for somebody else's, if I had to go to prison for somebody else's wrongdoing, and I was wrongfully convicted for somebody else's wrongdoing, you think that I would have to fight through any bitterness? What do you think? Big time. What if I was put to death for something I never did? You know, when it comes to forgiveness, well, let me read you a passage, Colossians chapter 3. The Bible says, make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Okay? That's not news to anybody who's ever been to church. That's what Christians are supposed to do. But now look at the next. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. In that phrase, in that one sentence, there's, there's, a, there's a secret that's been locked away, that's really powerful. And I want to do my best to break it out for us as we close. One translation says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now that forgive as the Lord forgave you can mean forgive because He's forgiven you, but it can also mean forgive in the same way that He's forgiven you. As I prayed about that passage, I said, God, what does that mean? And here's the answer that came back. Never once considered that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, it would have been quite natural for him to be mad at me. Because after all, if it wasn't for me and seven billion other people like me, he wouldn't be there. So I I get that Jesus died so that God could forgive me. But I never once considered what Jesus had to do to forgive me. And fortunately, he prayed a prayer. And I bet you've heard this prayer. And he prayed it from the cross. I'll begin it and you join in whenever you know the rest of it. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now Jesus said, I want you to forgive others as I have forgiven you. You know what struck me? Most of the time we talk about prayer and forgiveness, we're saying, Lord, help me to forgive them. Isn't that what we pray? God, make me able to forgive them. Help me to be able to release this. Help me be able to let go of this and so forth. And we get all stuck up praying on ourselves. But you know, Jesus didn't say, Father, help me be able to forgive them. What did he say? Father, forgive them. You want to forgive somebody? Then you start praying that they will be forgiven. In the same way you've been forgiven, that they will be forgiven and genuinely mean it. And you begin to pray, Father, forgive this person who's offended me. I honestly want them forgiven. Be real hard to get up off your knees and go take vengeance. Got it? Yeah. So what are the three prayers? Father, change the way I think with the truth. Father, restore to me what is lost. And Father, help me release my offender. So we draw this to a close. We're going to do three things. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to write out our baggage. Boy, won't that be fun, okay? So on the inside of your program, there's a little sheet of paper. Do you find a little blank piece of paper in there? Got it? Thank you. 
It's not big enough. Thank you. I know. <laughs> Get out your sharpest pencil. All right? And I, no, no peeking on your neighbor. Okay? Friends, you've got to be honest with God if you want Him to deal with your baggage. Okay? So I want you to write down on that piece of paper your baggage. I, I, want you, I can tell you right away, it'll probably be one of the points of your greatest pain and your greatest disappointment and your greatest hurt and your greatest loss. Normally it is. Write down as many as you want because quite frankly, the more of those you get on the table and the more of those that you're honest with God about, the more of those he can begin to take the resurrection power of Jesus and change in your life. Okay? No one's going to see your paper but you. You're not going to turn it into me because your pastor can't make you free. Only Jesus can make you free. But I'm going to, we have an exercise to do with those papers in just a few minutes. So go ahead and write right now. could be the name of a person you need to forgive. It could be a sin that you carry. It could be a point of great confusion. It could be a fear that you've carried all your life. Or it could be just fear itself in lots of different manifestations. It could be something that you are obsessed with to an unhealthy level. Now I'm going to invite you to do a risky thing. No, not stand up and read it out loud. <laughs> okay? But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you to do a risky thing. I've written out a prayer. And it's actually a combination of the three prayers that we have studied this morning. And I'm going to invite you to join me in praying those three prayers. I've written it out so we can read it together. Please don't feel like you have to read this. No one will judge you if you don't. But if you want God to begin to speak freedom into your life in, the, in these areas where you've carried baggage, then I invite you to take that piece of paper, hold it in your hand, and then let's pray together. Ready? Loving Father, I hold in my hand the record of my own baggage. And I come to you with three prayers. First, I ask you to transform my life by changing the way I think. Replace my faulty thought patterns that are based in what others have said and done to me with your truth about me, about my worth in this life, and about my destiny in eternity. Next, I ask you to restore to me the joy, freedom, and hope this baggage has stolen from me. 
I'm here to find in you deliverance, healing, and complete restoration. I want to be fully healthy spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, and even physically. And last, I ask you to help me release those who have offended me. I pray that you will forgive them this morning. I have gratefully received your forgiveness for the wrongs I have done to others. And now I ask you to extend that to them the same forgiveness you have given to me. To whatever degree it needs to be, I ask you to make this morning a turning point in my life. I ask this of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God help it to be exactly like that. Now we're going to wrap up this part of our service by taking communion. Because the price for the freedom that we just prayed about was big. It was the cost of Jesus' life. Communion reminds us of that. The bread represents his body. And so I'm going to invite you to make your way to one of the communion tables around you and take that bread and break it, reminding yourself that his body was broken in painful torture for you and me. The cup represents his blood that drained from him as his life flowed out of him, as he took death for you and me. But before you do that, when you go to the communion table, I want to invite you to take your paper, okay, that's got your baggage. And I want you to do something that symbolically says, God, I give you my bags. I trust you with them, okay? There are uh, containers of water. You take your paper and you put it in there. I don't care if you put it writing down or writing up, all right? Okay? But I promise you that God will meet you there. And there's a symbol there of what he will do with the baggage that you bring to him. Please don't feel obligated to do that, but please feel invited. Lord, in this simple memorial, we bring our baggage to you, we lay it down, and we remember that you paid the price because you lost your life. We are now free to find ours. We pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Come as you feel led. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.